The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. in a series called Why We, where we have been talking about why we do what we do as a church. We've been talking about our vision, and the vision of New Song Church is, say it with me if you know it, help people know God. Good job. So much better than first service. Um, Don't tell them that I told you that. But yeah, we're all about helping people know God, and we do that by doing five things. We're all about reaching the lost. At New Song, we care about the one who's lost, but we also care about the 99. We care about all 100 sheep because Jesus cared about all 100 sheep. We want to go after the one who was completely lost and completely far away from God, but we also want to care about the people who are maybe just a little bit off track and they need somebody to grab them by the hand and help them on their journey with Jesus. And then we're all about creating worshipers. Uh, The psalm says that we enter into God's presence through thanksgiving and through praise. So we want to we want to create worshipers, people who are constantly continually entering into the presence of God because we can't really help someone know God if we're not showing them how to get into his presence. So we're all about creating worshipers. We're about developing disciples. We want to see people grow. We want to see people transformed into the image of Jesus. We want to see their lives producing fruit. We want to see them knowing and understanding and living out biblical truths, obeying God's word, praying, and things like that. We're all about developing disciples. And then last week, Pastor Josh talked about building the family. And if you missed it, go back and listen at newsongpeople.com slash series. You can check out the entire series. But that message, I think, was my favorite so far. Uh, because it was all about how, how, yes, the church has to be organized, but we're not an organization. And yes, we're in the business of Jesus, but we're not a business. We're a family. The church is a family. And we need people to understand that because it changes our expectations going in and, 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 and really helps us to understand our part here at the table of, of, of the, like he talked about, the Thanksgiving table. So good. Go back and listen to it. And then today, we're closing out the series with our last value, <clears throat> and that's activating difference makers. We help people know God by activating difference makers. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to leave the world different than I found it. I want at my funeral it to be packed, a room full of people saying, she made a difference in my life. I want to get to heaven someday, and I want to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if that sounds like a plan to you, if you're with me, if you want to be a difference maker, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 43. Mark 10, 43. Now, this is a verse that we share at Next Steps. And Next Steps is a class that I teach with Josh every month. And we've done it every month, pretty much, uh, in the three years that we've been a church. So I've heard this verse at least 40 times over the last three years. And, uh, but it wasn't until about six months ago that as Josh was reading it, and I was reading it from our, our little notebook that we give people when they, when they come to the class, something snapped in me. Like I actually, like just the revelation hit my spirit of this verse. And it wasn't just like, oh, that's a nice thought or, or, oh, that's great. But like it became a part of who I am. Like you can't separate me from this verse anymore. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to not just hear that and hear this and think, oh, that's a nice 
thought or, oh, Jesus was such a revolutionary, but I want you to get a personal revelation of this verse this morning. So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes and kind of put your hands out in front of you like you're ready to receive. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to things we have never seen before. Open our ears. We want to leave this place today with a greater, with a richer, with a clearer understanding of your word. We don't want people to be able to separate us from your word, Lord. We want to we identify with this verse in such a powerful way that it becomes who we are and, and how we operate, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that revelation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that revelation is on its way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so in Mark 10, we find the disciples, James and John, and they're talking to Jesus, and they're asking him a question. They're saying, Jesus, how can we be the greatest? We want to be the greatest. Tell us who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom. They're trying to figure out how they can work their way up to the top, but they're thinking in terms of status. They're thinking in terms of power, prestige, possessions, position. That's how, that's, that's what they're expecting to hear here. How can we work our way up? How can we be the greatest? And here's how Jesus responds. Mark 10, 43, he says, you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. If you want to be the greatest, then live as one called to serve others. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Difference makers lead. Difference makers lead. Now, you may be already counting yourself out as a difference maker because maybe your strengths finder test leadership wasn't in your top 15. Or maybe your Enneagram thing, your number description, it said nothing about leadership in it. Or Myers-Briggs wouldn't consider you a leader. Maybe you never got a leadership award at school. Uh, and so you're already thinking, well, this isn't me. I'm not a difference maker because difference makers lead. But let me just remind you this morning that Jesus, that God knows you better than Myers-Briggs knows you. And we have to identify with what he says about us more than we identify with what man-made tests say about us. So he's saying right here that difference makers lead. You are to lead. Every person within the sound of my voice, if you're a born-again believer and you're being a disciple of Jesus, then you are called to lead. You are to lead. Now look at this. He tells us how we are to lead. Difference makers lead by a different model. We do things differently. We don't lead like the rest of the world leads. You are to lead, and you are to lead by a different model. What's the different model? We lead by living a life called to serve others. Difference makers lead by living to serve others. Now, he's saying, don't follow suit. I want you to be a leader. I don't want you to be a follower, and I want you to lead differently. I don't want you to measure greatness in terms of status, power, possessions, position. I want you to, to step into greatness by learning to serve others. Now, a new song we like to sum this verse up like this. Greatness is not measured by how many people serve me. It's measured by how many people I serve which that's not how the world sees it. The more people that you have working for you, the more people that answer to you, the greater you are according to the world's way of doing things. But Jesus says, no, greatness is measured not by how many people serve 
you, but by how many people you serve, okay? This is how we make a difference. This is how we are called to lead. This is how we activate difference makers. We're asking you to step into greatness by living a life served to, uh, uh, living a life called to serve others. Now, this is what hit me about six months ago in that Next Steps class that was so powerful about this verse, is that Jesus comes and he levels the playing field. When they're asking, how can we be great in the kingdom? He's saying it's not about your skin color. It's not about your job. It's not about your money. It's not about your background. It's not about your race. It doesn't have anything to do if you're, if you're a male or a female. None of that matters here. He's saying uh, how we become great is through serving. And here's what hit me. Anyone can serve. Anyone can serve. So that means that anyone can be great. Anyone can serve. Anyone can be great. Anyone can stay after church today and stack chairs. And they're great in God's eyes. Anyone can stand out there in the rain, holding an umbrella, welcoming people as they come into church this morning. Thank you, amazing parking lot team. You are heroes. And you are great. Anyone can serve. Anyone can be great. Anyone can hold a baby in the nursery. Anyone can change a diaper. Anyone can be great. Sometimes we think that we have to have a gift of communication or be able to to play an instrument or sing and if we're going to be great in the kingdom of God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said anyone can serve so anyone can be great, which is very, very, very great news for us today. Now, I want to see my kids step into greatness. That was my little girl up there doing that little video announcement, Bo. Isn't she awesome? She's so great. And I want her to step into greatness, all three of my kids. Every parent in the room would agree with me that you want your kids to be great. So I want my kids to be great, so I'm teaching them to serve others because I know that's the way to it. That if I teach them to chase after power and possessions and position, then they're going to come up shorthanded. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna grow up feeling empty inside. They may look great on the outside, but they're not going to feel great on the inside. So I'm teaching them, if you want to be great, serve others. Serve your teachers at school. Look for people to serve today. Help me carry in the groceries. That's having a servant's heart. Buckle your sister's seatbelt for her. That's having a servant's heart. I'm trying to teach her to serve, teach all the kids to serve, so that they step into greatness. And God wants the same thing for his children. He wants all of his children to step into greatness. And just like we want for our children. And he's saying, here's how you do it. Have a servant's heart. You got to learn to serve. He wants everybody to get to heaven and hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And that's our heart here at New Song. We want every person who's a member of New Song Church, when they go to heaven someday, we want you to hear those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's why we're about activating difference makers. So we're going to look at the story. It's a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to read it to you. And I've got some some illustrations that we're going to follow along as we read it. But this is a story Jesus told about servants. And this is where those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, that's where these words come from. So I think if we want to hear those words when we get to heaven, then we should really understand and study this parable and see what it's all about. So we're going to see two servants that are good and faithful, and we're going to see one servant who's useless, okay? So follow along with me. Matthew 25, I've got pictures up here. We've got the three servants, 
And I, I know there's a lot of characters, a lot of numbers in this, so I thought the visual aids would help you not completely check out as I read this huge chunk of scripture, okay? Verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to the suit and tie guy, uh, two bags of silver to the cowboy boot servant, and one bag of silver to the bunny slipper servant, dividing it in proportion to their abilities and also because of their shoe choices. He then left on his trip. The suit and tie servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest and earned five more. The cowboy boot servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the bunny slipper servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they've used his money. The suit and tie servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. Now listen, I love this part. The master was full of praise. Here's where it comes from. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The cowboy boot servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver and I have earned four more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the bunny slipper servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Now, what I want you to see is that this servant, the useless servant, he did not make a difference. One bag to start with, one bag to finish with. No difference whatsoever, right? But the good and faithful servants, they had five to start with, multiplied it to ten. Two to start with, got it up to four. Is five different than ten? Yes. Is two different than four? Yes. The good and faithful servants, they made a difference. They made a difference. Now, uh, we didn't get to hear what, what the master's response was to the, to the guy who didn't make a difference. We're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, I want us to look at some of the mindsets, the way that these guys thought. And as we look at this, I, I want you to be asking yourself, which servant am I most like, okay? The good and faithful servants. They did their work promptly. They got to work, work right away. They didn't wait. They didn't procrastinate. They weren't waiting for everything to line up, the stars to align. I feel like investing now, so I'm going to invest. It says they began to work. They just got to work. They did their work with perseverance. It says that the master was gone for a long time. I'm sure there were times when they got weary and well-doing and wanted to just call it quits and, and, and give up, but it says that they kept going. They did their work with success, obviously. They made a return on what they'd been given, and then they were ready to give an account to their master. They didn't know when the master was going to return. It's not like he texted them and said, hey, I'll be there in a week. That wasn't an option. So it was kind of a surprise return, and when he comes back, they were ready 
to, to tell them what he had done with what he had get, what they had done with what they had been given from him. Now, the mindset of the useless servant. He didn't think. He didn't work. The only work he did was to get the money and then get out a little shovel, take about 20 minutes to dig a hole, put the bag in the hole, cover the shovel up, or cover the hole up, put a shovel away, he's good to go. So he didn't work. He didn't even try. He didn't even try. I'm just going to, might as well just bury it. I'm not going to put forth any effort. And then he made excuses. I, 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 this is so good. F.B. Meyer expressed the thinking of this servant. And I think as he expresses the thinking of the servant, he also expresses the thinking of a lot of churchgoers, believers. He said, this servant thought, I can do very little. It will not make much difference if I do nothing. I shall not be missed. My tiny push is not needed to turn the scale. I know there are people out there that have thought this way, that have thought, you know what, this thought of things like sex trafficking, it's such a huge, uh, widespread thing. My tiny prayer, my tiny gift, uh, my tiny support of A21, it's not going to make much difference. I can't turn the scale with this, this little effort that I have to offer. Uh, my tiny push is not needed to turn the scale. We've thought that way. Or maybe you pulled up this morning and you saw all the people out in the parking lot and all the friendly greeters as you walked in and you think, yeah, they're covered. They got it. My, my serving won't make much of a difference. But that's not the kind of thinking that we want to have. Which servant are you most like? Do you find yourself waiting until all the stars align, until you feel like it to jump in and serve, or are you prompt and need shows up and you jump in and you feel the need? Well, I'm not in the schedule today. That wasn't the thinking of the, of the good and faithful servant. You see a need, you, see, you, you walk by the twos and threes class, <laughs> and you could tell they're shorthanded, but you're like, I'm not on the schedule, just going to keep walking. That's not the mindset of the good and faithful servant. They would have jumped in there, and they would have helped. Um, do you find yourself thinking, nobody misses me when I'm not around? I've heard, I've heard that a lot over the last three years. A couple different people, they get, they get frustrated. Nobody misses me. Nobody notices when I'm not at church. Do you know how you can change that? Here's how. You be missable. You start to serve like a good and faithful servant, and people will take notice when you're not around. I think of people like Brian Decker. Our custodian here at New Song. He's been with us since the very beginning. And when he's not around, let me tell you, our team misses that guy because he is a good and faithful servant. He serves with promptness and he perseveres and he's ready to give an account for what he's been doing that day. He is a good and faithful servant. I think of people like Ariel who serve on our Connect team out there. When he's not here, I miss him because he serves out there with sex with such excellence. He makes a difference. So if you want people to miss you when you're not around, then you need to be missable. You need to serve like a good and faithful servant. Of course, nobody's going to miss you. If you walk in these doors, plop down, don't do anything, get up and leave. No one's going to miss you. If you want people to miss you when you're not around, then you need to serve like a good and faithful servant. Are you making excuses for not serving? like the useless servant did, or are you expecting to be successful as you serve? I know we've got excuses. I got a lot of excuses why I could not serve, but I've traded those excuses for expectancy. I, I'm busy, right? We could say, I'm too busy to serve, but what if we say, 
okay, I am busy, but I am expecting that God is going to use the 45 minutes that I have this week to sow into my small group outreach that they're doing. I'm believing he's going to use that 45 minutes to make a difference in someone's life. Okay, or maybe you say, I'm not good with kids. I hear that one a lot. I'm not, good for, I'm not good with kids. I can't serve back there. What if instead of making excuses, you say, you know, I'm not good with kids, but I want to grow in that area, and I believe that God can use me to make a difference in someone's life this week back in our elementary age class. So I'm going to step in, and I'm going to serve. You change your expectancy. Swap your excuses for expectancy. Amen? All right, we've got to change our thinking. Now, I want you to see how the good and faithful servants were rewarded. Because, of course, God's going to reward us. He, 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 you know, he's not just going to ask you to, to give your life away serving and there's nothing in it for you. That's not why we serve. But when we serve that way, there are rewards. Remember what he said, the master said at Matthew 25, 21. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. So first, they received praise from their master. I want you to know this morning that when you serve, God has praise for you. You may not hear it directly from the people that you work with. You know, when my kids jump in and and they serve at school, maybe their teacher doesn't notice that day, but God noticed and their name is honored in heaven. Maybe if you're serving here at church and your team leader doesn't get around and, 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 and they're not able to come and tell you thank you for serving, you may not get praise here, but God is God is honoring your name in heaven. Your name is honored. So they received praise from their master. Then look at this. He said, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. They received a promise of future blessing. That's amazing that when we serve God saying, I honor you and I'm going to give you more. There's a promise of future blessing attached to serving. And then lastly, this is my favorite part. It says, let's celebrate together. The master wanted to celebrate with the good and faithful servants. So they got to spend time in the presence of the master. When we serve, that's a reward for us. We get to spend time in the presence of God. Now, the third servant, the bunny slipper servant that didn't hear these words, let's look at what, at what he did here. Matthew 25, verses 26 through 30. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered I didn't, crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant. Give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty chilling verse. I mean, we we just got to see all the great rewards that the good and faithful servant received. But this is the exact opposite. Perhaps the most chilling part is verse 30. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the difference makers got to celebrate in the master's presence, the useless servant was cast out of the master's presence. I want you to see this this morning. This is huge. If you don't get anything else today, please get this. Lean in. Get your pens ready. 
When we choose not to serve, we forfeit the presence of God, which means we forfeit his joy, which means we forfeit his strength. I want to show you how I got there. Psalm 1611 says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. And then Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we choose not to serve, when we choose not to do anything with the gifts, the talents, and the treasure that God has given to us, when we just choose to bury it and hide it underground, we forfeit the presence of God, which means we forfeit his joy, which means we forfeit his strength. You know, a lot of people are waiting for joy and strength. When I feel like, when I feel joyful, when I feel not so tired, I'll step in and serve. But it's the opposite way. You're going to stay not feeling full of joy and full of strength when you stay not serving. It's when you step into serving and you say, I'm going to choose to make a difference that you enter into his presence, that you enter into his joy, and that he fills you with strength. You know, I was talking to a friend this week and she was telling me that she had been believing God for her husband. Uh, She desired that he would uh, desire an intimate relationship with God, that it would be more of a priority in his life. So she'd been praying, and and her small group had been praying, and then she said, God has just answered her prayers above and beyond all she could ask or think. And she said, everything changed when he started serving. When When he joined a serve team at church here, that's when she saw the shift. Listen to me. We're not asking you to make a difference here. Because only because of the benefit of the church. We know that it will benefit the church. But we want you to be a difference maker because it's a benefit to you. It's a benefit to your families. It helps you to celebrate together with your master. There's reward. There's promise. There's joy. There's strength for you. That's why we're about activating difference makers. When you invest into others, God will invest into you. It's a very beautiful exchange. Now, we're going to look at how we're activating difference makers at New Song. You know that you're called to be a difference maker. How do you do it? There's three ways we're going to talk about. Three ways to activate the difference maker inside of you. And the first one is pray. We want to see you step into greatness. So we want to see you pray. Now, this is an area where I feel like a lot of people revert to that useless servant way of thinking. Remember, he didn't think, he didn't work, he didn't try, he made excuses. I don't think a lot of people think, they don't even think of prayer as a way to make a difference, so they don't do it. He didn't work. I don't, I don't think a lot of people work the promises of God. His word will not return void, but will accomplish the purposes for which it was sent, but we're not working the promises of God. I think a lot of people don't even try. They think, well, There's so many people praying around the world that my little prayer offered up will not make much difference, so I'm not even going to pray about that. That's a very Eeyore way of thinking when it comes to prayer. It's like, I'm just not going to try. My prayers won't make much of a difference. I want you to get something today. James 5, 16. Look at this. It says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Listen, your prayers can make a difference. If you feel like they're not making a difference, then you need to change your approach to prayer. God responds to prayers that are heartfelt 
and persistence. They're fervent. They're full of passion. Look at this with me. I read this week uh, this quote by David Guzik. He says, much of our prayer is not effective simply because it is not fervent. It's offered with a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. Effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must emotionally persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things that he is fervent for. If you are not heartfelt and passionate about the lost people in your workplace, you will not pray heartfelt and passionate prayers for those people. If you're not passionate about reaching people in this city through this church, seeing this church grow and reach more people and helping people know God, then you're not going to pray heartfelt and passionate prayers about helping this church reach this city. What are you praying about? What are you passionate about this morning? I think of people like Becky Woodall. She's, is she in here? I don't think she was in here for service interpreting. But while I was writing this section of the message. At the exact moment I'm writing about people who are difference makers pray, she messages me and said, hey, I've been praying about his conference. She's been praying for every woman that signed up by name. And she went on to tell me, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying God showed me that he wants to heal their eyes, their ears, their taste buds against alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. He wants to hear smells, like if a, a certain smell brings back painful memories, he wanted to heal that. He wants to heal touch from uh, emotional and physical abuse from their past. She's praying these prayers. She got the heart of God for these women, and she cares about what he cares about. So she's able to pray passionate and persistent prayers that make a difference. When these women come to the conference and we open up the altars, she has a part to play in the difference that's going to be made in their lives because of the prayers that she was praying. I think of our intercessory team, Bethany Dumbleton and Katie Quinn and Kim Jefferson and Kelly Lamar, who pray over our services on Sunday morning. When you come in here and you experience the presence of God right off the bat, or you get an answer, it's because partly those women have been praying, difference-making prayers over this congregation. I think of people like Coley Hansen, who in her office has maps of the world, and she takes time out of her week to go and pray for certain countries. And listen, she's not there, boots on the ground in these countries, making a difference, but she is making a difference from her home in Edmond, Oklahoma, as she sends up heartfelt and persistent prayers for these countries. Difference makers pray. Are you passionate about anything like Coley is passionate about those countries? If you're not, you need to ask God to give you the desires of your heart. The Word of God says he will give us the desires of our heart. A lot of times I think we think he's just going to give us whatever our heart desires, whatever, a bigger house, whatever, that's what he wants to give us. That's not what that verse means at all. When he says he wants to give you the desires of your heart, that means he wants to give you a desire for a certain country to pray for, for a certain person in your office that, that needs him. He wants to give you a desire to pray for this city, for this church, for people involved in uh, sex trafficking, whatever. He wants to give you that desire so that you can pray passionate and heartfelt prayers. Difference makers pray. Difference makers go. Turn with me to Isaiah 6.8. Isaiah 6.8. We're going to look at a question that the prophet um, Isaiah, or that God was asking to the prophet Isaiah. Now, 
I never really thought about this, but I was reading this week and looking at some different commentary. Somebody brought up the point, why would God ever need to ask a question? Like God knows everything. He, he, he doesn't, there's nothing he doesn't know the answer to. There's nothing he's confused about. There's nothing he's wondering about. He knows everything. So why would he ever need to pose a question? Well, I want to look at the question that he asked, and maybe we'll get a better understanding. Here's what he said. Isaiah says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Who will go for us? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is what God's asking. Now, first think about this. This is the God of the universe. God of all majesty. God of all power. And he's asking for volunteers here. That's what he's doing. He's asking for volunteers. He could create robots to go and send this message to the people that needed to hear the message. He could have sent an angel to deliver this message. But he's asking for volunteers because he loves to partner with his people. Now, he's not asking for volunteers because he doesn't know the answer to this question. Because he doesn't know who will volunteer. He knows who will volunteer. He knows because he's God. But he's asking because he's waiting for ready hearts to reveal themselves. God doesn't ask who will go because he doesn't know. He asks who will go because he's waiting for ready hearts to reveal themselves. And I feel this morning that he's asking this question to us. Not because he doesn't know, but because he's waiting for ready hearts in this room to reveal themselves. You want to see how we reveal ourselves to him? Look at this. Isaiah's response is beautiful. Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. God is asking this morning, who shall I send to Boomtown to be the highlight of some kid's week back there? Who will I send to help stay today? Who will stay after church for us today? Not for us, for us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who will stay after church to help load a trailer? Who will help change a diaper for me? Who will open up their home and lead a small group so my people can be engaged in biblical community? Who will greet people as they walk into the auditorium and prepare their hearts for worship? Who will I send? He's asking today. He's waiting for ready hearts to reveal themselves. This hit me this week. I always want to be the answer to God's question. Anytime he asks a question like that, I always want to be the answer to it. Lord, here I am. Send me. What do you need me to do? Where do you need me to go? How can I serve? Send me. Difference makers go, difference makers pray, and lastly, difference makers give. Difference makers give. If we have to make, or if we want to make a difference, we have to be givers. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly, or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Look at this. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. If you want to make a difference, this says right here, that those who share freely and give generously, their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's making a difference when you're remembered forever. Now, I love 
this church. I love New Song Church because it's a church full of generous givers. And I want to show you today some of the ways that you are making a difference around the world and here in our city as you give. I think it's important for us to see the faces, the stories, because it's real easy to just set up your online giving online and it just comes out and you don't even think about it. But I want you to think about it. I want you to know that what you're giving is making a difference. I want it to help you give cheerfully, not as an afterthought that just comes out automatically. But I'm giving this and I'm giving it cheerfully because it's making a difference. So I've, uh, I, I've copied some Instagram stories from different organizations that we partner with. And I want to encourage you, if you're on Instagram, follow these organizations. Because as you're scrolling through your feed, every once in a while, you're going to see them post a story. And it's going to remind you that your gifts that you're giving at New Song are making a difference. The first one is ARC Churches. Now, New Song uh, exists because of ARC Churches. We are an ARC Church, the Association of Related Churches. Josh and I had this big dream to plan a church, but we had no idea how to make it a reality. We went to an ARC conference. They told us the next steps we needed to take. They resourced us with tons of items to study, to know how to do this legally, all that stuff. They helped with our fundraising. They helped us with that part of it. They were so beneficial and so crucial in the launching of this church. So every month we give back to ARC churches. We send them a check so they can plant churches just like this one all over the country that are helping people know God, that are helping people step into their God-given destinies. The other day, a couple weeks ago, it says, today's a big day. It marks the launch of the 800th ARC church. What an amazing milestone. Look at what God has done throughout the body of Christ through the ARC family. Every time they... They start a new church somewhere. You guys play a part in that. Next is Empower Ministries. This is a missions organization, and they are all about empowering leaders. They're all about children's education and about building Bible schools. We actually are partnering with them. There's a, there's a school that we are funding, and uh, our very own Josh and Coley Hansen are going to get to go over there. We're sending them as a church um, at the end of November, and they're going to get to meet the faces and see what we're doing. They're going to be opening up opportunities for you to go on mission trips over to the areas of Thailand, Myanmar, Burma, Pakistan, to be able to go take your families and minister, actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. I love this. What a wonderful thing it is to see clean water coming from an Empower Well in Myanmar. This is what happens when you support Empower International. You're making a difference. Uh, And then we've got Kim Blunt Ministries. Actually, Firm. Let me do Firm first. Firm is the Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries. We are a pro-Israel church. We believe what Genesis 12 says. I will bless those who bless Israel, and I will curse those who curse Israel. So we're going to do what we can as a church to bless Israel. And know that as you give to this church, there's a blessing that rest on your homes and your family because you are blessing people and there's a covenant there. God says he blessed those who bless Israel. He can't go back on his covenant. Your families are blessed because this church is blessing Israel. There are many families in Israel who struggle to make ends meet and feel discouraged by not being able to celebrate the biblical feast in a traditional way. At Hope for Israel delivers food packages to 1,000 under uh, underprivileged households in Israel just in time for the holiday. So as we give to Firm, they uh, 
do hand-picked Messiah-centered organizations like Hope for Israel, and they help fulfill God's promise there. So you're making a difference in Israel. And then Kim Blunt Ministries, Ken and Trudy, Josh's mom and dad, they are now on staff as our executive pastors of uh, family and children's ministry. But when they're not here, they're traveling all across America, teaching people about how to communicate in marriage, how to build strong foundations for their children. And they also produce a ton of kids' music. I love this one, this story that somebody sent. She was talking about the Sleep Baby Sleep album. It says, this music is anointed. When Abigail was six months, she had to have open heart surgery. They kept her on morphine, but that didn't even seem to relieve her. The nurses kept asking what music it was we played because they noticed how much it helped her. So the morphine wasn't helping that little six-month-old baby, but these anointed songs that you're helping produce and send out are what's helping that child. We've heard countless stories of kids getting healed from cancer, of adults getting healed from uh, MS because of the music and the lyrics, the anointed songs that go out through Ken Blunt Ministries. And then Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive is an organization that started right here in Oklahoma City, but they now have mentoring homes in uh, Tulsa and in Wichita. And these homes are for recovering drug addicts where they can come and they can find hope. And they don't just learn how to overcome their addiction, but they learn that God has a promise for them, a future for them, that God's not done with them yet. They help them get on their feet and, and point them in the right direction. And we get to be a part of that. Here's one of the... Yes, here's one of the faces. Russell H., first drink at 17, first use 18. Wanted to fit in. Abandonment issue, car wreck, multiple surgeries, progressed to heroin, multiple arrests, went to Rob's Ranch, Christian C. recommended, hope is alive, found Jesus. Family restored, confident physical growth. Now he's a house manager and he's been sober since November 17th, 2017. Your giving is making a difference in the lives of people all over the world. Difference makers pray, different makers go, and difference makers give. Now, as we close today, I want to just have you get really real this morning, and I want to ask you some questions, and I want you to just think about these. What if everyone at New Song cared about the loss like you do? What kind of church would we have? What if everyone worshipped like you worship? What would this room be like on Sunday mornings? everybody worshiped the way that you worshiped if everybody was just ready to express their love to Christ what would, what would new song look like if everyone at this church prayed like you prayed what if everyone at this church served like you serve would we be able to do a lot more ministry or would we have to close down some, some of our classrooms and ministries that we do what if everyone at the church gave like you give would we even be able to have church what if everyone at New Song were as engaged as you are here? What would the church look like? Ushers, if you would, I've got some forms, some little papers. I want you to, as you get these forms, just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What's the next step that you have for me? I want to make a difference. Show me how to make a difference. Uh, we started the series with Habakkuk 2.2. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. We have made the vision so very plain over the last five weeks. And now, church, it's time for you to 
run with it. It's time for you to run with it. I want you to, to seriously ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we want you to help us to be difference makers. We want to steward well the gifts that you've given us. We want to be a church full of people who are making a difference in our homes, in our workplaces, in the city, in the world, in this church. Lord, help us to get passionate about what you're passionate about so that we can pray difference-making prayers. Help us to be like Isaiah, Lord. Help us to have that heart where we say, here we are, Lord, send us. Send us to do whatever you need done. Lord, thank you for meeting all of our needs in here, for giving us extra so we can share and give and make a difference all over the world. Lord, show us our next step and help us to boldly take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look up here. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And uh, you'd like to invite him into your life today. You realize that you want to make a difference, but you know you can't until you let Jesus come in and make the biggest difference in your life. And what we're going to do in just a moment is we're all going to pray a prayer together. And this is your first step in your Jesus journey. He wants you to take this first step. You just pray this prayer. You believe it in your heart. And what it is, is it's an invitation from you to him. You're inviting Jesus into your life. You're giving him permission. You're making him the Lord and Savior of your life. And he's going to begin to transform you from the inside out. So if you would, everybody, church, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to say this prayer together out loud. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I confess I'm a sinner. I need a Savior, and you sent Jesus for me. I believe he was raised from the dead. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Lord Jesus, I give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. I am yours. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we are so proud of you and excited for what the Lord has for you. Yes. The most important day of your life. And you took the first step. Now we want to encourage you to take another step. In just a moment, our altar ministry team is going to come forward. And we want to invite you to come up here and pray with one of these guys. Let them pray with you. Let them resource you. They've got some gifts that they want to send you home with. So don't leave here without taking the next step in your journey with Jesus. Church, if you would stand to your feet. We're going to close. And if you have a prayer need of any kind, if you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with stress, worry, anxiety, something going on in relationships, our prayer team is here and they want to make a difference. They want to pray with you this morning. So I invite you to come forward. Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw every person with any need to your altars this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.